Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how did we get here and where are we going? When I look out into the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? This is pretty much all I think about. So I decided to start asking others what they thought as well. So grab a cup of coffee, open your mind, and enjoy the conversation. So we're trying to move from reactivity to intentional action, which is responding rather than reacting. And once we get to that place, then we have greater control of our lives. So we're bringing into the world what we want to bring into the world. Like the power of thought is so important, right? The power of manifestation. But if we don't mind our thoughts and we get caught in those same loops over and over again, loops of negativity and like illusions of unworthiness and then also judgment of others and hate and all these things, that's what we're broadcasting out to the universe. And that's what Mm. the universe is giving us in return. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Quantum Coffee. I have a really special guest for y'all today. I'm really stoked that you guys decided to tune in to the podcast. My guest today is Kyle Dow. um, And I've been looking forward to having this guy on my podcast for quite a while. Um, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years. Uh, He's an amazing man, uh, really, truly inspiring to me. He's one of the most intentional men I've ever met. He teaches me so much every time I hang around him. Uh, he is of nature, born of nature. I know we all are, but this guy really embodies um, what it means to be an aspect, a piece of nature. Uh, he's a rock climber. He's uh, a coach. He's building a new program called Soul Path. Uh, he talks about it at the end of the podcast. And uh, if you are looking uh, interested in any of the topics we talk about today and you want to learn more from Kyle, I would definitely recommend checking out his course. He is a very wise individual who has a heart of gold, who is truly embodying what it means to be loving presence. And this conversation we had was really epic. We dove into obviously the three deep unanswerable questions that I ask every guest. uh, And it takes us on a wild journey. And, you know, towards the end of the podcast, we talk about the state of the world and um, what we need to do to really transcend the collective fear that is really running rampant out there. And uh, I really, really uh, appreciate Kyle's perspective. And I know you guys will too. Um, And I really hope you enjoy this conversation. If you guys do, please leave a review, rate the podcast, share it with your friends. I've, the momentum is building and uh, really stoked to get these podcasts out to a bigger audience. And it takes every single one of you sharing it and rating it and reviewing it. Uh, it all goes a long way to helping uh, the podcast grow. And I really appreciate all of you guys that have been listening since the beginning. Um, a couple of my own plugs, my own little ad reads. Um, just launched my community, the heart collective about three months ago, and it is rolling. And that is also building momentum. Um, just, uh, continue to get new members joining, um, really starting to grow and build this community of former male professional athletes. Um, 
And I'm really stoked about the journey ahead and where it's going to take all of us. Uh, if you are a former male professional athlete looking for community, looking for support, um, just looking for somewhere to feel, you know, seen and heard, check out theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. Or reach out to me directly. I'd love to hear from you and share more information about what this community is all about. Um, if you don't follow my newsletter, uh, you should. Um, I'm definitely getting a little bit more away from Instagram as a uh, communication tool. Um, I've found that it's taking a lot of my energy getting stuck in the rabbit hole. I know a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, realizing that that social platform is really all uh, it's designed for the dopamine hits. And I've just had an awareness of every time I open it, I'm just getting lost and it takes energy from me. And I know uh, creating content and sharing this positive message, I'm finding other tools to do that. And uh, one of the best ways is to follow my newsletter, put out a weekly newsletter and my podcast and anything that's any updates through that. Um, that should be in the show notes. So go check that out, sign up for that. And really excited about the new podcast. My wife, Sarah and I are putting out it's a reality show type audio experience. Very unique, uh, very new. I don't think I've, there's anything out there like it. Um, if you're interested in my journey and her journey, uh, conscious relating, um, how we met, season one comes out February. Don't know what the date, Valentine's Day. Is that February 14th? Maybe. Um, yeah, it's coming out on Valentine's Day. So if you want to subscribe and not miss out, go to loveinlifepodcast.com. That's love, the letter N, lifepodcast.com. Throw your email in there, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we will have a trailer coming out very soon and that will go out to anybody who signs up for that. And uh, you can pre-subscribe and we're really stoked about continuing to share our lives and all the lessons we've learned along the way. And we are taking you on the journey real time through our relationship, through our pregnancy. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, we're, we're going to be pretty much ready to blow or she is. I'm just here to support her. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I really appreciate you uh, listening through all that. Um, it's going to be worth it because this podcast, this conversation was one of my favorites. Without further ado, Kyle Dow. Kyle Dow, what's up, brother? Hey, brother. How you doing? I'm so good, and I'm so stoked about this conversation. And um, yeah, really just dropping some wisdom and knowledge for the listeners, and I'm really excited to get your perspective on a, a lot of these unanswerable questions of the universe. Um, but before we dive in, let's uh, get the listeners familiar a little bit with who you are, um, a little bit about your background, your story, and what you're working on now, and then we'll kind of dive into some of these uh, different concepts. Cool. I'll see if I can sum it all up. Yeah, the brief um, version. I know life's a wild journey. <laughs> it is such a journey. So let's see. Um, I have this connection to the outdoors. Really, nature is my church. And I like to ski and I like to climb. And I was doing all these things before I had an awareness of spirituality. But what actually was happening is that connection with the natural world became the foundation for my spirituality. So um, I've been living in various mountain towns in Canada between Alberta and BC for the last 15 years. I moved out there when I was 23 from my hometown of Sudbury, Ontario. And it's really always been a pursuit of passion for me. So I have a climbing business called Heat and Rock Tours, which I'm 
transitioning out of. Uh, I'm a rock climbing guide, and that's something I'm also moving away from, trying to rewrite my story of who I am and how I fit in the world. And it's been so magical. And what I'm discovering now is that nature really speaks to us in ways that I was unaware of. It's such a, a depth of majesty and this field of information that really supports us in, in these truly fascinating um, ways. And that's kind of where my curiosity lies right now. Um, and that's what I'm trying to bring to other people. I work as a holistic integration coach and me and Farah, who you know, just started doing these kind of outdoor nature connection experiences. And I really do see this as um, part of my life's work is really helping people reestablish that connection to the natural world. Yeah. Beautiful, man. And I'm really stoked to, uh, to witness the, the transition and the journey that you're on to really bring your medicine into the world in a, in a bigger way. And it's really beautiful. And you know what you said there talking about changing your story and I think that's really fascinating. And I've really, um, you know, I love talking about it in that way because we, you know, the ego construct really is just a story of who we think we are and how we're supposed to show up in the world. And when you can start questioning your own story, you can start having a realization that you have the ability to, it's very malleable and you can create the story that you want to live. But a lot of people struggle with that, especially in today's society and culture and from a lot of different reasons, you know, like we're, kind of program and indoctrinated from a very young age that this is what reality is. This is what success looks like. This is how you find fulfillment in life. And I think that's obviously, if you look out objectively at the world, that is a path that does not lead to a lot of fulfillment. Mental illness is on a rise. It's the worst it's been in forever. And so talk about your journey, like figuring out like, was there a, an awakening where you realized I have an awareness of my story and I can change it? Or was it a slow, gradual process and how do we get people to start looking into themselves to question their own stories? Yeah, great question. Um, the one thing I would add to our, the idea of the ego is not only is it a story of who we are, but also a story of how the world is. And we'll constantly be given confirmation based on that bias, right? So that's kind of like a two-way street. And when we find that freedom that we can rewrite both of those stories, then we get to really play at full capacity and become the architects of existence. And so one of my, um, it, it's been pretty gradual, but there's been some aha moments for sure. And so this one was probably um, about seven years ago or so. And at that point I was like a quote unquote unconscious person and me and a buddy were just drinking beers by the river in Canmore, Alberta. And just like this. What an unconscious thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's Doesn't nothing matter. wrong with drinking beers in Montreal. I know. I love drinking beers by the river. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, now I drink cider, though, because I'm off the gluten. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> I love why. Um, yeah. We're hanging out there and in this stunning spot and really unaware of how much we're being influenced by the beauty of this area but he said to me what do you want to get out of life and this is without having any prior notion of spirituality or consciousness or mindfulness or anything and i just said to him i don't know 
but there's a lot more to life than meets the eye. And this was just like this intuition that came through me. And what I was talking about that I didn't have the language for, but it was like the more than human experience that I'm now aware of, right? And how everything is connected to everything and the nature of consciousness and how grand this experience truly is. But quite often, like we were discussing, we're trapped in our ego. So our sphere of awareness is so small that we don't have a notion of these other things, but it came through me just like that. And um, that was the same year, maybe that year or the year after I started meditating and doing yoga and just kind of taking care of myself a little bit more or at least in different ways than I had previously. And that just started to open up that sphere of awareness gradually. And then, of course, over the last two years with you in in the Fit for Service program, that was a huge catalyst for growth and change as well. And Mm. there was a plant medicine experience in Sedona last year. So it was the combination of psilocybin and MDMA done in a very intentional structured setting. And I would call that like a full-blown awakening where I was witness to the expanse of love in that field itself and how massive it truly is, infinite, right? And Mm -hmm. in that space... I was connected to everyone and everything. And the next morning, um, there was very little sleep in between, but the next morning we went right into a breathwork session with Anahata. And that it was basically like a continuation of the ceremony. And I think what's important there is in that kind of second part of the experience, it was my breath that got me to that place. It was nothing exogenous, right? So I say that to indicate that we don't need to actually take substances to attain that level of awareness or consciousness or awakening or however we want to frame it. But I truly was in what I would identify as bliss for the first time in my life. And it was Mm. magical. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Talk a little bit about like, where did, where did the, the introduction to meditation happen? Is it something that you just intuitively, like, I want to kind of train my mind or become more present, or I feel like my mind is racing. Like for me, it was the introduction to meditation. I had a lot of resistance to it because of my upbringing, bring Christian and like, even, I even brought meditation up to my brother the other day and he like closed off because he was like, he thinks it's like evil. And so I had that kind of story when I was younger, really fascinating. And then I wasn't introduced to it until about halfway through my NFL career when it was kind of pitched to me as this way to train the mind and it's going to help decrease uh, anxiety and stress and increase focus and performance. And it was just like a tool. And that's really what got me into it. So was it, was there something that was like you wanted to change within yourself or just kind of intuitively come up? Talk about your journey there. I think people were just talking about it. Like I think it was slowly tripping into the mainstream, which is super important for humanity, I think. And so I just figured I would dive in and see what it was all about. I might've had some friends talking about it or something like that. Um, But people make this, they have this confusion that meditation needs to be a spiritual thing. And then spirituality might have a stigma that doesn't resonate with certain people. And it's really not. It's really about recognizing how our mind is operating, right? Because most of us go all day long, like start to finish, thinking but not mm. thinking about what we're thinking about right so the mind right. Is- and that's what unconsciousness is right as you are you think you are your thoughts 
and you, you haven't created that awareness or that space between the observer of the thoughts. And like, really that's kind of what awareness is, is becoming like widening the lens and becoming the observer of what the thoughts are. And when you can actually find that little bit of space just to get this, Oh, recognize it. Then you can see these thoughts floating by and you don't really have to attach to them. You can like, let them go. And that's the practice of meditation is continuing to train that ability. And then I, you know, even meditation, I feel like it's really about with all of these kind of tools, it's about integrating them into life too. Like if you go, sit on your cushion for 10 minutes and meditate, but then you go out in life and it, you're not mindful throughout the day, then it's like, doesn't really matter. It's really about meditation as a tool to kind of create that awareness, but it's really about creating a life of mindfulness and being intentional with every single moment and being aware and present for the, the moments as they unfold. Yeah, totally. And I like what you're saying about creating that separation and I view it as a stopgap. So if we're, if our mind is on autopilot and we're creating these stories, which then create these emotions or vice versa, we have these emotions that create this sto these stories and we're just getting bounced around by this. Um, we're essentially in a constant state of reactivity where things are happening and we're in just like automatic behavior as a result. And so we're trying to move from reactivity to intentional action, which is responding rather than reacting. And once we get to that place, then we have greater control of our lives. So we're bringing into the world what we want to bring into the world. Like the power of thought is so important, right? The power of manifestation. But if we don't mind our thoughts and we get caught in those same loops over and over again, loops of neg negativity and like, illusions of unworthiness and then also judgment of others and hate and all these things that's what we're broadcasting out to the universe and that's what mm. the universe is giving us in return yeah no it's it's well put and like that brings me to kind of my, my question i ask everybody to kind of get the conversation rolling is this idea of like what's what's the purpose of life and talking about that like why are we born into this world where there is this you know, like we're born into these systems, obviously, but I'm, I'm trying to widen the lens out a little bit and understand like, why are we here? Why do we have to go through this journey? What does it even mean to be human? What's, what is the purpose of this existence in your perspective? I guess the question everybody asks is why? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a great question. And of course it's the unanswerable question, but we get to play this fun game as meaning making machines where mm -hmm. we make meaning out of everything right and maybe there is no meaning um but what i think our purpose here is is to really enjoy life right and there's i think there's a passage in the bible that says god created man to be in awe of his creation mm. right so I love that to sit here and to look at everything and see the beauty in everything and remain curious and joyful and playful Right. I used to be caught up on this idea and I still am to a certain degree of purpose. Right. We come into the world with this purpose and we have to do this thing. And then we create this like grandiose vision of what that means. But what if we reduce that and keep it simple? And the purpose of being here is to just be in awe and wonder of the whole thing. Right. But it, the challenge becomes when life is challenging and, you know, people we love are dying or we get fired from our job or we get dumped or whatever the case may be, then it's like, okay, do we still have that same level of gratitude? 
right? Can we have gratitude in every moment on the whole spectrum of the human experience? And life isn't always pretty, but it's always beautiful. Mm. And if we could keep that in mind and yeah, and just practice that appreciation at all times, then you know what? We're going to give, we're going to be given a lot more reasons to be in awe of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's well said. I, you know, having this podcast and stuff, and I love, as I know you do, talking about all these different concepts and really the, the beauty that we have, even the awareness or the opportunity to discuss what the universe even means and to explore and to understand that it is a paradox and it kind of folds in it, into itself. And we are the universe kind of exploring itself and there can't be an end. There can't be an answer. There can't be something to figure out because then the the kind of striving to know would dissipate and the whole experience kind of fold in on itself. So we kind of have to constantly have this thing to be working towards to figure out. And so understanding that there's nowhere really to get to, there is no answer really instead of creating frustration or like, it's really reminding us to sit back, like you said, and be in awe, like being able to explore what the universe is, but not attaching to needing to know because there is really no way to fully know and understand it and just sitting back and being in awe of it. And I love gratitude, man. Like gratitude is my secret sauce. And I truly believe that when you can navigate, you know, if we talk about the different emotions that we have and, you know, assign them a vibrational frequency, like each emotion carries a vibration. If you can learn to be grateful as your baseline energy frequency that you're interacting with the world with, I, I truly believe that is the key to the kingdom of heaven. Like if you can be in this experience and be grateful for everything that's happening in this moment, it, it's such a, it's a cheat code really. Cause we're lost in our minds so much thinking about the future, projecting, worrying, or thinking about the past, which is the story that got us up to this moment of who we are. But when you're, when you remind yourself to be grateful for what you have, it takes you out of the future, out of the past and drops you right into this moment. It's like, Oh, I'm just so grateful. There's like, I'm not lacking anything. I'm grateful for all the lessons that got me to right where I'm at. And then when you can have that base foundational emotional baseline, then you can start accessing the higher frequencies from there, which is like joy, love, and all of these really higher vibrational frequencies with the baseline of gratitude. And I think that's the key, right? Totally. I love that. And the way I look at it is what is my state of being, right? And then if we're talking about separating from our thoughts and our emotions, rather than saying, I am sad and identifying entirely as sad, saying we can say part of me is sad. And now if we can express gratitude for that sadness, then it's going to dissipate much more quickly. So the way I look at it is I want to have a resting state of being that is peace. Mm. So that means that I can be in a state of peace in the face of all things. So I could be angry and still be at peace with that anger, right? Mm -hmm. I could be sad and at peace with that sadness. And then of course, it's easy to be at peace when we're in a state of joy or love or all the other um, quote unquote positive emotions. Yeah. Well, what what are some uh, tricks, I guess, or some tools that you could share with the listeners that might, you know, get angry, get triggered, be sad, be in a state of grief and just kind of listen to this and be like, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say when you're happy, but I'm like, I'm going through this really deep emotional thing. Like, how can I be grateful for this? Like I lost my job. I lost, 
you know, a loved one, like whatever it may be, these really kind of challenging parts of life. How do we navigate those with this sense of, of peace and, and gratitude? I think you touched on it a little bit. It's a, I think it's about really being present with it and feeling all of it rather than deflecting it. But if we're present, it's like, what's alive now? It's like, okay, well, I got fired from my job yesterday. Are you in the process of being fired right now? No. So what is present? Right. And you have mm. your life, right. Presumably you have your health. Ideally you have your health. Some people don't, which is a challenging circumstance. But then we're also uh, projecting into the future. Okay, I lost my job yesterday. Tomorrow, I don't have a job, right? So we're just getting bounced back and forth. But like, what is the emotion that's present right now, right? Maybe that's sadness or despair. But to be with it allows us to move through it rather than constantly avoiding it. But if, mm-hmm. like, if, if I sit here and I'm talking to you, or even if I just sit here and do nothing, like everything is perfect in this moment. Mm. Like what is not perfect, right? So even the idea of pain, like we can endure any type of pain, but what we can't endure is the thought of the continuation of it, mm. right? So like- the, It's such a tricky thing, right? So fine, because it's like you, you're, if you're in your mind projecting of what that means rather than being present with what the sensation is, and we might label it as pain, but- yeah, it's like, it's it's such a fine line, right? If, if we say, I can't endure this for a second longer, by the time we finish that sentence, we've already endured it for yeah. like five seconds. And so uh, getting back to the reframing, it's like, okay, I just lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Uh, I, you know, I have this lung infection. infection. What do I have to be grateful for? Like, yes, these things might be part of my experience and there's a, the nature of cause and effect, but what do I, what do I have going on? You know, I have all these people that love me. I look outside and it's beautiful out. Like there's this incredible tree over there that seems to be like waving at me. And then a dragonfly goes by and, uh, oh yeah, I love myself. That's pretty cool. I got that going on for me, right? There's always things to be grateful for. And Mm -hmm. if we think about it, like anybody that's listening to this podcast is hands down better off than half the world who goes without food and without water, right? We're talking about billions of people, right? There are always people that have it worse off than we do, right? So just be grateful. Who you're comparing yourself to, right? If you're comparing yourself to the people kind of quote unquote, like perceived like ahead of you or the things that you want to create in your life rather than the people that are, you know, worse off than you. I mean, if you continue to look at what you don't have and lack, you're going to create this void within yourself that you're never going to be able to fill. But if you kind of look down, you're like, oh, wow, I'm, I really have such an amazing life. Like I have everything I need. And that's why the gratitude is, is so key. I want to talk a little bit about, because we're talking about all this stuff, how important is spirituality to all of this? To, and I'd like to hear your kind of definition of what spirituality is and your, and your kind of journey of what that is. But I know we've talked about this before, is how important it really is to have a relationship or a connection to something that is greater than self. How important is that for people that are trying to live a happier, more fulfilled life filled with gratitude and love and joy and peace. Is that, is that, is that kind of a part of the formula that is needed or can people go without it and kind of talk about your journey with that? 
Yeah, I think you you touched on my definition of spirituality, which is something it which is connection to something beyond myself, mm. right? And it's if we think it's just us, this tiny little ego identification versus the world versus the universe, then that's going to be pretty demoralizing, right? But if we understand that we're connected to all things, we're in this flow uh, with the ocean of energy, like that becomes pretty inspiring at some point. And maybe that's a concept that's too far out for a lot of people. So then it becomes about connection, right? So connection to ourselves, a deep understanding of who we truly are, connection to others, having that community support in that network where when we're going through those really hard times and we we're having a hard time finding that gratitude, then there's people to uplift us or at least to support us in our current state of being so we can move through it. Right. And then of course that connection to nature, right? So um, can you find joy and happiness and all those things without spirituality? Yes, I think you can, because really spirituality is a, a model of a belief. It's a belief system that we must hold loosely. It's not, the absolute truth it's our truth and the nature of our reality in this moment mm. um but with that connection and so maybe let's just get rid of that that term spirituality and say connection instead i don't think you could find sustainable joy and happiness in all those things that we view as positive without connection mm. yeah i love that it, it's even the words sometimes have these these you know, these kind of barnacles on them that like create different meaning than, and they create resistance, right? Like, and I think a big one is the word God. And I know I had a lot of resistance to this word growing up. You know, I grew up in the Christian church. God is this old man in the sky that created this experience and he kind of just left it to for Satan to kind of run. And he's a shameful and judgmental God. And it just created like all this resistance to that word. And so I started using words like the universe or source or I really liked using the word universe and that kind of helped me understand because I've always had this deep belief that there's something greater than myself. There's some kind of something that created this experience and I just didn't have my own truth or experience to kind of put words to that. And it wasn't until I, you know, left football and actually traveled the country and got out into nature when I started really reconnecting with, with God and understanding it through my own experience, but I still had resistance to that word because, you know, we're discussing the universe and these unanswerable questions and it really is ineffable. And as soon as in this linear thinking minds that we have, we try and put a word to it, like the word God to explain all that is, it takes away from the actual, what it is, because it is, it is indescribable. And so as soon as we start putting it in a box, I think that's what a lot of religions do, right? They're trying to, and that's the fascinating thing that creates so much war and, and division when it's all of these different cultures and societies trying to just create a framework to understand what is unexplainable and under, un, is ununderstandably, ununderstandable, is that a word? <laughs> um, and so, you know, like religion, and I love the definition of religion is a belief in someone else's experience and spirituality is a belief in your own experience. And it's really what's true for you. Mm-hmm. And um, so talk about your definition of, of God and kind of how, and your spiritual journey to understanding the, the connection. I know you're really involved in nature and that's kind of part of your journey, but a little bit, explain that and talk a little bit about the, the defining the thing that's undefinable and how that gets in the way of our actual connection of what it is. Yeah. Nice, simple, straightforward question. I, right? <laughs> I went on there. <laughs> um, 
It, that is, I don't know if I've summed it up cleanly before. So first I'll say um, this, this tongue twister that you made me think of and that as soon as we try to F the ineffable, inevitably we F it up. <laughs> right. So we're just right. putting, we're putting language to things that is actually inconceivable. Right. Mm. Uh, we have no idea. But again, as meaning making machines, this is a fun game to play. So, like I said, nature is my church. And so I find God in nature. And when we think about the earth, it truly is like a God. Like, think about all the things it produces for us completely beyond our understanding. And really, it's the unifying thing that every human being has in common, right? So we could we could argue about who your God is and who my God is, but we can't argue about the fact that we have this earth that provides for us. Every time we eat food or, or drink water, we are literally consuming the earth, which is such an amazing concept. And it's like we are, we are walking on God with every step we take, right? Mm. It is the source of our life. So that's, that's a really hard one to argue against. And then if we want to zoom out beyond that because I, I don't think obviously earth is not the all that is but it's it's one god and so i believe in a multitude of gods and then if we zoom all the way out maybe there is like a the one true source or great spirit that is like that godhead and who knows what that's like you know mm-hmm. like the the force that created the universe but um I think there are these these fields of influence that everybody is a part of. And when we think about that, if everything's energy and everything's a part of these fields, then everything is God. There is no separation. Everything is sacred, right? And if God is a triggering word for some people, then we could use words like truth and love, right? Mm-hmm. And I know Dr. Dan Engel thinks of love as the blue, blueprint of the universe, so everything is built on love and everything will return to love. So when we get to those states where we're experiencing true love, like I described in Sedona, we're experiencing God, which is kind of a cool way of framing it. Yeah, no, I love that. I think love is synonymous with God. And I think even love is a more more um, accurate word to describe the ineffable than the word God, right? Like love is just more, I think, pure and more truthful to what God actually is. But then what about this concept of, of evil, right? Cause some people, you know, again, I, I go back to my, my upbringing with Christianity and like, there's so much evil in the world. And um, like, why would a loving God create such evil things? Why would God create cancer? Why would God create suffering? And I think this is a concept that really, it's hard for a lot of people to, to grasp. Um, and so I'd love to, to discuss it, but a little, and a little side note is I read this and I think it was in conversations with God and it's a great book, by the way. I don't know if you've read it, but is that by? Um, Neil Walsh, I think I'll send you the link. Okay. It's really good. Um, but he talked about you will not know God until you can understand that Hitler went to heaven mm. and until, until you, and you kind of worded it differently. But if, 
until you understand that Hitler went to heaven, you will not truly understand God fully. And I don't think we'll ever understand God fully, but like you get the point. And so this idea that, that evil is of God as well, created by God, because if all is, then everything is, right? But maybe explain from your perspective around that topic of, of evil and, and why God would even create that. Yeah, I think a lot of my perspective on this come, it's challenging, first of all, but it comes uh, from Paul Cech and the way he speaks about it. And he says that the devil is the greatest angel because in his benevolence, he sacrificed himself so that he can be on the opposite end of the spectrum. So people could perceive him as evil so they could experience good and Mm. what that shows is the spectrum of everything right and if we go back to the idea you introduced of us being this locus of consciousness that is peering through us at this singular perspective or like this pinhole essentially of consciousness so we're consciousness looking back at itself or the universe looking back at itself Right. And that universe wants to experience every possible thing, right? In the infinite spectrum of possibility, then it seeks to know evil. It seeks to know the pain and the suffering and like the murder and all the horrible things that I hesitate to mention. And so it becomes our work to get beyond judgment of all things essentially. And that's where I get hung up because I do see these things in the world that I disagree with, but Mm. really that's just the universe playing it all out. And those people that are committing those things that I want to commit, they they're playing their part. Yes. But they also, they're trying to protect themselves. They're in self-preservation mode and they're doing what they think is best. They're in service of their needs. And even if this is something like um, violence, they likely have a pain that is so um, so unbearable that they're trying to alleviate themselves of it. So they're passing it on to others, thinking that it's going to alleviate themselves of the pain. But of course, that's not the solution. The solution is for them to find a way back to love. So mm-hmm. any act of violence is really it's not absent of love it's just so far removed from love again if love is the foundational element of the universe how do we bring it back there right so it's not about condemnation of others because that doesn't get us anywhere it's it's about finding love for them and forgiveness for all things the the limit of which we could forgive things is the limit of which we could actually experience god Mm. I love that. Well put. Yeah. I mean, we, we, in this experience of duality, we need the, the opposites to know what, what it is. Like you cannot actually know love unless you know evil or fear or the opposite of what that is. And in order for us to have an experience, there has to be some illusion of separation, right? In this duality. And for me to know who I am, I have to know what I am not. And so for me looking out in the world, and if there was all good, then how could I know if there was all love, how could I know really love or become a loving being if that's all there is? And so in relation to other things, I know what I am and what I am not. And that needs to exist for there to be this physical experience. Now, 
there could be other metaphysical realms and, and different layers of dimensions and vibrations and spirit realms and all that, which I'm sure I know, I mean, I've experienced through some plant medicine journeys. I know you probably have as well. And um, yeah, yeah. Pretty fascinating. So you, even there and you discussing like knowing what you are and what you are not, that's still like a story that like an ego identification of what we are. Right. And so then if we want to get really reductionary, we simply say that we are all things. Right. So mm. we are that person that's committing evil. We are the trees. We are the dragonfly. Right. Mm. And that's like the God consciousness. Right. And that is like the, the unity consciousness, I guess you could say, but we need the ego to have an experience, right? Like we can't, experience the world and walk around because even in this like spiritual community and work and you know you hear people like i'm i want to transcend the ego i want to kill off the ego and you know just from my experience doing bufo the 5meo dmt experience and actually experiencing fully for the first time what it was like to completely leave the ego and coming back like i'm so grateful for my ego because it allows me to have an experience in this reality and it's really about learning to become an ally with the ego, but kind of create the ego that you want to be in the world. Cause the ego is just a story construct. Right. And so being able to integrate and tell the story to the world that you want to live out, that's really what it's about. It's not about transcending the ego or killing it off. Cause you actually do need it to have an experience. Yeah, totally. Without the ego, we go mad. We just be like this, this uh, locus of consciousness in that ocean of infinity. And then we wouldn't be able to, have any fun we wouldn't be able to dance or sing or have sex or drink wine by the river and so yeah we definitely need the ego but to recognize it as a tool and if we could get to the point and, and eric godsey says this get to the point where our ego is in service of our soul mm. that's when it becomes really fun right because the idea there would be that our soul came into this body to have a particular experience right and that's when i get hung up again on purpose I came here with a purpose to fulfill so what is the thing that wants to be birthed through me that could only be birthed through me that's the question that I like to ask myself and in that question it's like okay I could soften my ego and do the things that don't that are not in alignment with that soul path mm. yeah I like to frame that and this is what has helped me is, ex is what does the universe want to experience through me? And a lot of times that's not necessarily aligned with what our culture and our society tells us what success is or what happiness is or what will bring us joy. And it's different for everybody. So it's about really finding stillness and tapping into what wants to be experienced through you. And that requires a lot of letting go and shedding of the stories of the things that are not the things that want to be experienced through you, but maybe they're outside influence or maybe the programming or indoctrination of growing up into certain systems. And that's why really the power of letting go is, is the path into fully embodying that thing that wants to be experienced through you and whatever that is and not really judging it, but just surrendering into it. Right. And that's the idea of surrender too. It's not this, it's not this passive act, surrendering. Surrendering is actually one of the most courageous acts anybody can undergo because it requires you to surrender into what wants to be experienced through you. And a lot of times, what I found through my own experience is my soul's calling me to, to things that frighten the shit out of me. And they scare me and they challenge me and they force me to grow and step up in ways that I could just turn away from. But if I turn away from, that's where suffering is created. And it's really about 
stepping up to the challenge of what wants to be experienced through me. And, you know, if that's going up and meditating on a mountain for eight hours a day, and like, that's your whole thing. Like if that's what wants to be experienced through you, that's where you'll find peace and joy and fulfillment because you're totally living, you know, the quote unquote, like purpose of your soul. Yeah. And we could actually challenge ourselves in, in that perspective in recognizing that sometimes what wants to be experienced through us is that pain. In that idea of suffering, right, is death. And this is all part of it. And I think that we, um, as a culture, have a really poor relationship with death, right? Because quite often we see it as a terminus. We don't see it as an opportunity for rebirth. Um, so that brings us back to, yeah, loving all things. Yeah, I love it. Let's talk about death a little bit. What do you think happens when we die uh essentially it's like burning man we all go to burning man and just party yeah i don't have to the ethers and all our souls hang out and just party 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 time yeah all good. i don't i don't actually think that it's uh it, it's another one of those tough questions in i do believe in reincarnation um mm. i've had experiences where i've remembered or felt energies of other lifetimes when I've been in different uh, incarnations, different iterations of my soul, I suppose. So I don't know if we come back and do the same thing over and over again. And that would be one philosophy that we're, we're making this process of ascending towards enlightenment. And then maybe we become an ascended master and we go to whatever the next level of the game is. Or perhaps like after this one, we go somewhere else, like another dimensional reality, right? Where we don't actually exist in human form. We exist as uh, a nebulous of energy, perhaps. Um, but I know that something happens. Like if we try to imagine nothing, like it's inconceivable, right? We can't actually comprehend the idea of nothing. And some people seem to experience it with that bufo uh ceremony right they go into the void where like nothing is and so that would be before the universe was even birthed and that's a terrifying idea but uh some people believe that's where it all began and then there was kind of this information or force that expanded beyond that singularity so the universe is so vast right in this massive infinite ocean of energy that something has to happen when we die right mm. and it's not like as a ego consciousness it's not like we only existed when we came out of the womb and then that just like ends as soon as we die that doesn't make any sense to me so something does happen it's like the when we die that's like the second greatest ceremony of our experience next to our birth and it's mm. worth celebrating. And people like mm. run from death. They absolutely run from it and they're terrified of it. And if we accepted the idea of death, then we'd be more empowered to live fully, right? Mm. Yes. And then we wouldn't be clinging to like every last second where we, where they, people spend like, well, the healthcare system spend half a million dollars to preserve, preserve life, to extend life for you know, another two weeks, like, what's the point of that? Where this person yeah. is like full of tubes in the hospital away from their loved ones. Like why not embrace death? 
have them somewhere beautiful in nature, surrounded by their loved ones, where they could hold their hands, where they could express their feelings, where they could close any loops on their life so that they can liberate themselves and move on free of that baggage into whatever is next. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautifully put, man. I just started vibrating when you said that because it is a ceremony and we, we just, you know, same thing with birth. Like, you know, Sarah's pregnant doing two months and we've done a lot of research about, you know, the birth and how we want to do it. And we've decided to do an at home birth. And it's fascinating to see the resistance that a lot of our loved ones and family members have with that. But just looking at the Western medicine system and the way they treat birth, it's like, it's like a, a disease and it's like something that you need to go to the hospital to take care of. And, you know, thinking about death, I haven't thought about this as a concept yet until you just said it. It's like very much the same thing. It's like, let's try and keep them alive to those tubes. Like we're just scared. And, you know, I've read in a couple books, like most people and their souls, when they're on their deathbed, they're, they're ready to go but it's the ones that are still alive that can't let them go. And they're the ones like holding on. And it's like, it's really, really quite fascinating. I love the idea of like creating a ceremony around it and being able to close these loops. And I, I don't know exactly what uh, maybe you can, maybe you, I think it's some, some Eastern religion or philosophy of the idea of the, of this death and rebirth and to transcend it is to be fully present during the transition during death without fear. So like when you come up to your death and you can finally do that without an ounce of fear and being fully present and surrendering into it is when you finally transcend this physical reality of quote unquote, whether it's suffering and transcend it into the next level of the game into whatever that experience is. But until you can fully do that, and that's why all these, you know, Buddhist monks, they spend their entire life meditating. And it's really, and there's this really great book called in love with the world. Um, I forget who wrote it, but it's about this monk who, basically was born into this monastery and he became kind of royalty and he had never, he practiced meditating hours on end, had all these tools, but he had never actually been out in reality to test these tools in like real life situations. And so he went on this retreat for three years to like, he basically ran away and like snuck out and he went to live as a poor person. And it's a really good book, but he, he comes to this point where he almost dies and he's like about, he's like literally gets like dysentery or something. He's about to die. And he's like, uh, this is all, this is what I've been training for my entire life. And he was like surrendering into it. And he literally like left his body. And I'm sure it was a similar to like a Bufo experience, but he like left his body and had this whole transcendent experience because he was, there was no fear. He was just totally present. He ended up like getting saved and going to the hospital and they like took care of him. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's really this, it's such a taboo thing in our culture. Like, I don't know. I think there's a, there's a, a city in India that they like honor death, right? When like a grandparent dies, they like make a parade and bring them through the thing. But thinking back on my life, like, I don't think I've ever seen a dead body. Like they, they make it a very strong point to keep it out of our awareness. And it, it needs to be talked about more. Cause like you said, we can't live to the fullest extent when we're have this deep fear of hanging on and attaching to this physical reality, right? This material world, because we can't take it with us when whatever the next experience we have is. Yeah, and I think we could <clears throat> always look to nature as an example, right? Nature is always modeling this for us, how to live in harmony with the universe. So every, I, I spend a lot of time in Squamish, I would say I live there, even though I haven't been there for the last six months, but that's uh, in British Columbia in Canada for anybody that doesn't know. Insanely beautiful place. 
and every year the salmon run. So they're swimming upstream typically to where they were actually birthed. And in the process, they a lot of them end up dying. And so they litter the banks of the rivers and it smells bad and it doesn't look pretty. But what happens is all sorts of other animals come to predate on those dead animals. Uh, dead salmon, right? So we're talking about like bears and all sorts of birds and stuff like that. And then of course, in the decomposition of the salmon, they're feeding the soil, they're feeding the trees, they're feeding everything around them. And that's the beauty of it. Things are getting reborn from that death experience, right? It's the cycle, it's the endless cycle. And like you said, all is of or nothing is, and we must honor that. We really truly have to honor it to fully experience life. And going back to why are we here? We're here to dance on the full spectrum of the human experience. Mm. Well done. Way to circle it back, my man. Um, I'd love to get your perspective on the state of the world. And we don't need to get too into the weeds, but uh, we can, we can if you want. But I mean, just kind of, you know, the overview of where we're at collectively, um, it does feel to me that there's a big shift and transition happening. What that looks like, I have no idea. And it's like we talked about before we even start recording, like the amount of information that is just pulling in such different ways. And like, what do you believe? And, you know, I think it's really good to have these kind of conversations because it's about questioning everything and unattaching and letting go and coming back to our own truth. But I would love to hear your perspective on the state of the world, like kind of what we're, what we're going through and, you know, this, this point in time, like where are we headed? Yeah. So my perspective on the world right now kind of ties in everything that we've been talking about. So there's this strong narrative of fear that tells people they're going to die. And because we have a poor relationship with death, everybody's afraid of that. So then everybody is doing what they're told. And in this idea of saving lives, which we never actually do, we only prolong life, people are actually no longer living, right? So we are afraid of this virus, whether, you know, people are dying, whether it's from a virus or not, that's kind of a different conversation. And a lot of experts like Zach Bush would say that we're not actually dying from the virus, right? If we have a stable, the innate immune system of human beings is strong enough to fight off viruses and is actually an opportunity for us to adapt because we are swimming in the sea of viruses at all times, right? But because people have such fear, that's being leveraged in order to control people. So now we're locked at home. We're not seeing loved ones over the holidays like I didn't, which was really challenging. You know, travel restrictions are in place. We're not fully living our life. And when we actually look at the numbers, um, there are far greater repercussions from the solutions than there are from the problem, right? So yes, people are dying again. Is it from COVID or something else? Who knows? I think it has to do with terrain theory. We're all living in unhealthy environments because our ecosystems are out of balance because we've been just punishing the earth for so long because we're not connected to the earth, right? So everything, again, comes back to connection. But in these lockdowns, in these solutions that the government and officials are implementing, um, 
there's this huge rise in mental health issues. There's this huge rise in suicide. There's this huge rise in uh, people going bankrupt, right? Losing their jobs. And this is like, it's actually an act of inhumanity that we're being subjected to by these government officials, right? And they're actually going like against numbers. Now, the problem is that no matter what point of view you have, you could find evidence to confirm that on the internet in this sea of information that we're swimming in, right? And essentially it's all lies. Like my narrative is a lie, everybody else's narrative is a lie, but there are elements of truth in there. And so it becomes up to us and our intuition to figure out what serves us best. But what doesn't serve us best is disconnection. And that's what these solutions are perpetuating, disconnection from each other in lockdowns, disconnection from nature, stay inside. Nature is dangerous. Nature is not dangerous. Nature is what's going to save us, Mm. right? Mm. So that's where we all have to arrive. But in this idea of the other, right? Like you have a different opinion than me, then screw you, right? Mm. Like goddamn you. And Mm. that's really a terrible uh, side effect of what's going on is further division, right? And we have to move away from that. We have to get away from likeness and back into oneness where we all belong, where we could practice compassion for every other living being, for every other living thing, and really want them to have happiness. And when we get to that place of compassion and connection, then we get to rebuild a more beautiful experience, a more beautiful experience, human experience. Like you said earlier, the kingdom is now. It truly mm. is. We just have to get rid of all the stories that tell us it's not. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, heaven or heaven or hell exists now, depending on the reality that you live in. And even with this collective, you know, where we're at in the world, like I know you've had experiences of pure bliss and joy and presence and freedom. And I know I have as well in this world of chaos. And I think it's just such a reminder that in any given moment, we have the opportunity through uh, presence and gratitude to like really just be with the experience, not necessarily labeling it good or bad, but just being present with what's happening now. How do we get people? I know separation is, I think if you point everything that creates division and conflict in our world, it comes back to, to separation, this idea that you are separate from me. How do we kind of transcend that? Is that something that we do transcend or is that just a part of this du- duality existence that we're in and it's always going to be like this in some way or fashion or is there a point where we can kind of get to where you know, there's a tipping point, a tipping scale. And I've heard this story been told where like, we just only need a certain percent of the population to kind of wake up and raise their vibration and everybody kind of falls into this world of happiness and joy or is that just kind of wishful thinking? What do you think? I think we're actually moving in that direction. Like this idea of the golden age and Mm. there is definitely an oscillation in the universe where um, it, it is a scale and it tips to one side or the other. So we're out of balance in the sense that there's let's just label it too much evil in the world and really control is a form of evil like if the universe is chaos which it truly is right it's kind of no i never heard that but yeah like controlling the chaos yeah ah 
The universe yeah. doesn't want to be controlled. The universe wants mm-hmm. to be free to express create creatively. And that's definitely one of our purposes as well, is to be a part of that creation, to be co-creators with the universe. And it comes back to fear, right? Like fear of the chaos and the fear of surrendering into what wants to be experienced in this moment, trying to control it. I mean, even in our own individual lives, we try and control what we're doing and create routine and create structure so that we have a reality that we know what to expect. And that's kind of what this whole thing, a part of the beautiful gift of what has happened with the global shutdown is it's made people realize hopefully at some level that, oh, it is all a story and it can all change in a second. And impermanence is really the only guarantee in this whole existence that we're living in. Yeah. And then getting to that state of surrender, right. And Mm -hmm. truly letting go and then being in the flow of the universe, right. And when we get beyond the stories of our ego, that's when we find that flow. That's when we find that harmony. So there's, there, there's this incredible idea of harmony. So we have things like sympathetic resonance, right? And we've experienced that on this call where you, you felt like truth tingles and I felt truth tingles at the same time. That's us connecting even virtually, right? So sympathetic resonance, everybody kind of being in that flow and feeling the same thing. And then there's this notion of harmony. And we don't want to make humans like we make crops. We're in this world of monocrops, right? Which is another form of control. And it's like monoculture and mono everything. And that's kind of what these systems in this world situation are creating right now, right? Creating a mono life for each person, which is essentially socialism. And mm. we don't want to, we want to celebrate each other's differences. We don't want mono humans. So this idea of harmony is filling the space in between people, right? Not balancing frequencies, but connecting frequencies. And then we can celebrate all things. So yeah. how, how do we get there? Loving each other, right? Recognizing that we do have fundamental needs as humans. And obviously that's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We need food, water, air, and shelter, right? But we also need things like love. We need things like community support, we need things like faith and hope and all these things fit under the umbrella of connection. Mm, beautiful, man. Oh, so, so well put. Um, dropping so much wisdom bombs, man. Um, I do want to get your perspective. We're coming up towards the end of the conversation. Um, but I, you know, getting to know you over the last couple of years, you are one of the most intentional men I've ever met. And you inspire me to continue to live more intentionally. And, you know, it's fascinating even practicing these tools and meditation and trying to show up with presence and just realizing how much more intentional I can be in every moment um, and something to strive for. And I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the power of intention for the listeners and the tool that that can provide to help you drop into being more present through the experience of life as it unfolds with all these other things we kind of talked about um, bringing all of that into this idea of living a more intentional life. Yeah, totally. So like we've been discussing, we have a story of where we've been a story of where we are now. And then this idea of where we want to be. And if we could let go, we could recognize where our soul wants us to be, right? So what is the flow of the universe and where does that want to bring us? And once we have an idea of what that is, that's like our future self, 
right? Or our higher self. So we could even move beyond soul and spirituality. This is like the best version of myself, which on some level, everybody aspires to be. So in every moment, then we could ask ourselves, is what I'm doing bringing me closer to that version of myself or further away? And then suddenly we have intentionality. We have intentionality in everything we do. And so that all stems from the present. So our intentionality can just like be here now, right? As we've discussed, a lot of our human strifes don't exist if we are fully present. And then from that presence, we could do these things with intentionality. What does my soul want me to do right now? What is the flow of the universe guiding me towards, right? And then again, we could tie in love. And so when we go to make a decision, if I truly love myself, would I do this, right? Um, really, it's all about knowing ourselves. Are we in that state of reactivity, reactivity or are we beyond that? So self-awareness, awareness of all that is in every single given second. And that's a lot to ask. But if we surrender, it's closer than we think it is. Mm. Beautiful. Kyle, thank you so much for all the amazing wisdom in this conversation. I know it's going to have a huge impact on those that listen to it. Um, go ahead and, uh, and plug whatever you're working on now and where people can find you if they're interested in, uh, in reaching out and getting to know you a little more. Yeah, definitely. Um, I am currently working on my online program, which is called Soul Path. I launched it earlier this year, and right now I'm building out version 2.0. And that's this uh, studio space that you see behind me. I've been doing some recording in here for the videos. So it's a six-week online group program basically designed to cultivate all the things we've been talking about to some degree. So it's about finding out who we truly are, because I feel that the distance between who we think we are and who we truly are is the cause of all discontentment and disease. So we're looking at things like conditioning and trauma and then introducing tools such as awareness, nonviolent communication, uh, models like core wounds and internal family systems. And what's really cool about this program is that we're coming together as a group. So every week we have a two-hour sharing circle where we are expressing our current life struggles or we're talking about past experiences that we're trying to evolve beyond, which means healing the emotions that are tied to those memories so we can move forward and create a life of greater meaning and fulfillment. Mm, I love it, man. I'm so proud of you for putting this together. And I'm just going to put my stamp of approval on this. If you guys resonated with anything we talked about in this conversation and you feel called to, to learn more about yourself and to dive deeper. And, and you know that you just, there's more in your life that you can squeeze out of it. There's more love that you can have for yourself and for others. And you want to feel more connected to the experience that you're having. I would recommend checking out Kyle. He's a wizard. He's amazing. And he's just so compassionate and loving with his presence. Um, so you can just learn so much from him and learn so much about yourself. Is there a website where can people actually find um, and direct them to find you? Yeah, my website is connectionintegration.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Kyle underscore Dow, D-O-W. And yeah, please reach out. I love to connect people and um, learn from other people's experiences and hope to make that symbiotic exchange. I love it, man. Uh, anything else you want to say? Any last parting words for the listeners and the world? And Yeah, hope. 
we always got hope. We always got faith. And I think it's important that we figure out what those things mean to us. And that becomes light at the at the end of the tunnel that gets us through all this hardship that is the human experience. And, you know, when push comes to shove and we get to the end of the road and we are going through that second greatest experience or second greatest ceremony that we get to experience, you'll know that you've lived fully. And then we get to dive into the great mystery. Mm. Yeah, there it is. I just started vibrating really a lot there. (laughs) Kyle, thank you so much, man. Uh, What a great conversation. We'll definitely be doing this again very soon. Uh, I wish you all the best, man. Thank you, brother. Love you, man. It's been a pleasure. Love you too. All right. Huge thank you to Kyle for coming on the show. Um, Would love to hear what you guys think of the episode. Uh, Reach out to me directly, leave a review uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, rate the podcast. All of that really goes a long way in helping the podcast grow, share it with your friends. um, And let me know what you think. Let me know if you're, if you're, if you're vibing it, if you're digging it, if, uh, there's certain things you want me to talk about or you want to hear about or certain guests you want to, to hear on the podcast uh, kind of discuss these unanswerable questions with me. Let me know. Um, love all you guys. And I really loved that conversation. So huge shout out to Kyle. I will keep you guys posted on his uh, new iteration of Soul Path, his uh, course that he's putting together. Um, it is really incredible. Um, He's one of the most uh, amazing teachers and uh, students, and he's an amazing man to learn from um, and a great guide. So if you are interested in diving deeper into yourself and showing up more fully, um, I would definitely recommend reaching out to him and uh, you know, using his support, taking his course. And um, yeah, I love you all. See you next time. Peace.